in uh, June 1965, six young teenagers, teenage boys, from the island nation of Tonga decided that they wanted a little bit more adventure in life. And so the plan was leave school, yeah, <laughs> leave home, yeah, leave their families and set sail for somewhere far more interesting, far more adventurous, somewhere like Fiji or somewhere like New Zealand maybe even. Problem number one, no boat. Uh, and that is a problem if you're intending to sail. Uh, so uh, they decided to borrow a local fisherman's boat that they didn't really like very much. And uh, about two or three in the morning one evening, on a very calm kind of night, they took a couple of bags of bananas and some coconuts and, and a um, gas burner little barbecue, and they borrowed the boat and set sail. Problem number two, the storm. Unfortunately, several hours after leaving, uh, a storm whipped up really quickly, and the waves like crashed over the boat like you wouldn't believe, and, and the wind smashed the sails. And, and the boat was being sort of hit around so much that the, the rudder snapped. And uh, before, you, before they knew it, these six young teenagers from the age of 13 to 16 were just drifting with no control on what, where they were going. This is a true story, by the way. This is absolutely true story. For seven days they drifted, quickly running out of food and water, until on the eighth day they spotted an island a little island in the distance, and they, they drifted closer and closer, and they got more and more excited. Uh, it wasn't really what we would consider an island. It was like a giant rock with some grass and some trees on it. Um, and in fact, they didn't know it, but it turns out it was uninhabited for like over 70 years prior to them arriving. Uh, but they saw it, and then when they got close enough, they jumped out and they swam to shore, and, and they set up a camp, and they waited, and they prayed for somebody to find them. In September 1966, a whole 15 months later, an Aussie fisherman by the name of Captain Peter Warner was in his Tasmanian lobster boat and fishing around the islands of Tonga and around an uninhabited island called Ata when he spotted something really strange on the side of the island. It was a burnt out patch of grass. Now, just last year, prior to his own tragic death in a boating accident at the age of 90, last year, Captain Warner gave this interview talking about that very moment. Why don't we have a look? We were experimenting with some fishing gear five or six miles off the island of Arta which we thought was uninhabited, had been for the last 60 or 70 years. I noticed a black patch against the green background on the hills. I thought that's strange that a fire should start in the tropics on an uninhabited island. So we decided to investigate further and after we'd finished our fishing experiment 
we went in close to the island. The lookout on the mast said, I hear a human voice. I didn't believe it was a human voice. I said, oh, that's the birds. You're crazy. It's not a human voice. So we went closer and closer, slowed down, and we saw this brown figure coming down, jumping down to the rocks and into the sea and doing a very nice swim out towards us. So that this is this is strange this island maybe they keep it as a prison for the worst criminals and uh, cast them out here it's, we loaded the, the, the rifles ready to uh, for whatever would happen then this young man swam alongside and said in perfect English I am one of six castaways we think we have been here for one and a half years who was that that was Fatai so I, I don't believe it, but I better let them come aboard. So we put the boarding ladder. But your rifle was ready. And the rifle was down, hidden behind me. So these six naked youths came on board. They looked completely wild. They hadn't had hair cut for a long time. Naked? Yeah, naked, completely. Not a stitch of hair, nothing left. Then they told us their story, which I didn't believe. And I said, well, put your name down on a piece of paper, let me write your name. Called up to the operator at New for Radio and said, would you mind calling up St Andrews College? Yes, I'll do that, stand by. After 20 minutes, a very tearful operator came back on the radio and in amongst his tears, he said, it's true, these boys have been given up for dead, funerals have been held, and now you found them. were saved, saved from this island. They were saved from potential starvation, of course. They were saved from potential illnesses, diseases. Ultimately, though, they were saved from the consequences of some pretty bad decisions 15 months earlier. You know, we use the term salvation a lot in church, don't we? And uh, Christians, we use the word saved, salvation a lot. And uh, but like a lot of words that we use a lot, sometimes the more we use them, the less they kind of have their meaning kind of wears off a bit after a while. But the word save, the word salvation, has so much depth to it, so much depth, that if we actually truly are willing to understand the meaning behind this word, it can actually change our lives forever. And so over the next uh, three weeks, three Sundays, we're going to look at what the Bible has to say about this idea of being saved. And uh, we're going to start that right now. So what does it mean when I say that I have been saved? What does it mean uh, when we say that? What does it mean when the Bible says that I've been saved? I mean, what 
is it that we've been saved from? And, and how am I saved? How is it that I can be saved? And what do I even do with that anyway? <laughs> how does that affect me? Well, let's start with the what. What is it that we've been saved from? And to understand that, we have to go right back to the beginning. Rewind right back to the beginning. Because in the beginning, God, the Bible teaches us, created the heavens and the earth. He created the land, the sea, the, the sea, the sky. No, the sky, the sea, uh, the animals, the birds, and us, humans. And he designed us all with the idea in this perfect harmony that we were just, just it, everything would just work beautifully together. Us together with each other, us with creation, us with God himself. But he loved humans so much that more than any other creature, he actually gave us something special. He gave us the ability to choose for ourselves whether to follow his way of living or to follow our own way of living. He loved us so much that he allowed us that choice. And we don't really know how long it took, but at some point, eventually, us humans decided that instead of relying on what God said was true, what God said was good, and what God said was not good, we decided to make that call for ourselves. And what this is called, this is called sin. And what sin does is it causes a separation between us and God. Because only perfect people can be in the presence of a perfect God. Only perfect people can be in the presence of a perfect God. But because of our choice to turn our back on His way of living and to choose our own way, we become imperfect. And I don't actually don't think there would be anyone in this room or joining us online who would claim to be perfect. I think we all commonly recognize that we are not perfect, that there's always some things that we're not that happy about, that we've done in the past or that we do, or that, you know, we're not perfect. And so there's the problem. Because of our imperfection, there is literally nothing that we can do, nothing that we can do to bridge that gap of separation that sin causes between us and God. There's nothing we can do about it. We are faced with the ultimate consequence of making that choice for ourselves. We're faced quite often with the immediate consequences as well, with making bad decisions, um, but ultimately we face the ultimate consequence of that, and that is separation from God, and not just separation from God in this life, but for all eternity. And that is called hell. Now, hell is something that Christians have debated about for centuries, and, and I'm not about to start to pretend to be an expert on hell, or heaven, or um, the end times, or whatever happens after we die, but, uh, so I'm not going to pretend or make anything up, but what I can confidently say is that Scripture tells us that there is an existence after the one that we're currently experiencing, 
where God is 100% absent. 100% absent. And when you think about that, let's, let's dig into that for just a moment. 100% absent. Because, you see, the Bible teaches us in 1 John uh, 4 verse 8 that God is love. So an eternity without God is an eternity without love. And 1 Corinthians tells us that what love is, right? Love is patient and love is kind and it doesn't envy or boast and, and all these good things. So an eternity without God is an eternity without love. It's an eternity without patience and kindness and all those good things. If we believe that the Bible is true and, and God is actually Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in one, then when Isaiah says that Jesus is the Prince of Peace, an eternity without Jesus is an eternity without peace. That's kind of hard to comprehend. If you think the world is conflicted now, imagine an existence where peace is 100% absent. I mean, Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. So an eternity without him is an eternity without direction, without meaning, without purpose, without fulfillment. What about the Holy Spirit? First uh, Corinthians says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So what about where the Spirit of the Lord isn't? An eternity with no freedom, zero freedom at all. In the Psalms, the psalmist says, in your presence there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. What about an eternity with no joy, no pleasure? I, I don't share these things to scare us or to shock us or to confront us because it is quite confronting when you think about it. But this is just what the Bible says is the reality. It's, it's the natural, ultimate consequences of our decisions to turn away from God. But here's the good news that the Bible teaches us, is because as terrible as that sounds, that is the very thing that we can be saved from. That is the very thing that we can be saved from. So how is it that we can be saved? There is only one way the Bible teaches us. There's only one way we can be saved. Because of our imperfection, because we, there is nothing that we can do to bridge the gap between us and God, the only way to be saved is for God to bridge that gap for us, for God to reach over that gap and to somehow provide a way to bring us back to Him. And thankfully, the Bible says that's exactly what He's done. It's exactly what He's done for us. Many of us know the verses John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. 
Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God didn't send his perfect son, Jesus, into the world to kind of give us what we deserve, (laughs) but to save us from what we deserve. The ultimate consequences of our decisions to turn from him. Jesus was the perfect human. The absolute perfect human. He's like the human that God originally designed us to be (laughs) before we stuffed it up. (laughs) And yet, God loves each and every one of us to the extent that in 2 Corinthians it says, God made the one who knew no sin to be sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In his perfection, Jesus took on the consequences of our imperfection. He was put to death on a Roman cross. But he rose again, defeating the power of death and demonstrating that he is fully human and fully God at the same time. And it's because of Jesus' sacrifice that we can now be saved. God loves us so much that he reached over the separation that we caused ourselves and gave us his only son so that separation could be closed and we could be with him again. One of Jesus' disciples, Peter, was explaining this to a big crowd of people. And and, uh, they were all listening intently and, and they all soaked it all in. At the end of him speaking, they, they said, what is it? What, what do we do? <laughs> what do we do now? And, and I believe that's the question that God actually puts on each of our hearts. When we hear what it is that we've been saved from and, and how it is we can be saved, God then asks us a question that only we can answer ourselves. What am I going to do now? And Peter's response to that question was, He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He said, repent. He said, turn away from that old way of deciding for yourself what's right and wrong and turn to what God says, just how he originally wanted it to be. And he said, be baptized, just like Sinead did just before, which was awesome. Demonstrate and tell everybody that you have accepted Jesus, that you believe in him, and that you've decided for yourself to follow his example. Jesus said these words. He said, Go into all the world and proclaim the good news to the whole creation. The one who believes and is baptized will be saved, but the one who does not believe will be condemned. Now, condemned, the word condemned kind of sounds really scary and um, nasty and complicated, but essentially it just means that Jesus is saying, Those who choose not to believe will just have to face the natural, ultimate consequences of their decision. The word condemned means to be found guilty and to be sentenced to the appropriate um, consequence. And so Jesus himself said, those who don't believe will be condemned. They will have to face the consequences of that decision. Separation from God. But those who believe 
and be baptized, will be saved from that. Paul says this about salvation. He says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And, you know, I reckon if Paul was standing here, if Peter was standing here, if even Jesus was standing here talking to us now, they would all say a very similar thing. They would say, God has done the hard work. God has already done the hard work. All we have to do is believe that he's done that and decide to follow him, make a change. You know, we each face an eternity separated from God because of our own decision to turn from him. It's, it's as if we're stranded on an island. <laughs> it's as if we've been shipwrecked and we're alone on an island. But you know, it's not too late. Because Jesus is just offshore on a boat. Jesus loved boating. He loved fishing. He loved being on boats. He, he calms the storm and he walks on water. And so He doesn't really need a boat, I suppose, but he loves boats anyway. <laughs> but Jesus is just off our island and he wants to save us. And all we have to do is recognize that he's there and swim out and meet him. You know, one simple way we can do that is by praying a very simple but profound prayer, which we're going to do in just a moment. And uh, maybe before we do that, I'm actually going to invite us all to bow our heads and close our eyes because we're going to pray together in just a moment. And I'm going to pray a prayer that invites Jesus to come into our lives and, and and gives our lives over to him. And for some people, this may be the very first time you've ever decided to follow Jesus. This may be the very first time you've ever prayed this. For others here, either in person or online, maybe you feel separated from God. Maybe you feel like you've been on this island trying to survive on your own but you know it can't last. And you need a saviour to come and rescue you. Maybe, maybe for some people here tonight, we've, once upon a time, we have given our lives to Jesus, but it, for whatever reason, at, at whatever time, we've found our journey to kind of be back on the island again, separated again from him. Well, the good news is Jesus has never gone anywhere. He's always been there waiting for us. And whether you feel like you've been on the island for 15 months or 15 days or maybe 15 years, maybe your whole life, Jesus is just waiting off the shore. I'm just about to pray a prayer and I'd invite you to join with me, but before I do, I want to invite you to make a decision. You see, I want to be able to pray with you and, and for you, and, and so if you're, really, if you're willing, I'd love to know whether you want to be prayed for, and if that's you, maybe just pop up your hand just where you are so that I can see it. Just say, hey, Ben, I, I want you to 
pray for me as you're praying this prayer. I want to make this decision for myself right now. Would you include me in this prayer? It's been so long I've been feeling on this island of separation. But I want Jesus to come and rescue me. Would you pray with me? Thanks. You know, pray right now and maybe you want to use or meditate on my words or maybe you want to use words of your own but we're going to pray together dear Jesus thank you for loving me I acknowledge that I've made choices in my life that don't align with what you consider to be right I've sinned and I'm sorry I don't want to live on my own anymore. I want you to come into my life and lead my decisions from now on. I believe what you did for me on the cross and that you rose again. I accept your forgiveness and I declare that I am now a follower of you, a child of God, And I've been saved. Amen. Amen. We're about to sing another song or two. Uh, and especially this next song is all about what Jesus did for us. And it's really cool. And um, we're going to worship King Jesus in just a moment. But before we do, I didn't actually finish the story. So do you want to know the end of the story? You see... Once Captain Warner had saved these Tongan teenagers, he he brought them back to Tonga and back to their families. And the moment they stepped off their boats, they got arrested for stealing the boat. (laughs) How brutal is that? You're cast away on an island for 15 months and you survive and it's amazing and it's a miracle and you make it all the way back and the moment you get back, you get arrested for stealing the boat in the first place. That's brutal. That is really brutal. But you know what Captain Warner did? He went home to Australia and he raised enough money to then return to Tonga and pay the penalty on the boy's behalf. He, he paid the jail bond, got them out of jail, paid the man for his boat and, and settled all their debts on their behalf. And... And the king of Tonga heard about this story and he was impressed, so he invited Captain Warner to come and meet with him. And, and after expressing his nation's gratitude for saving these boys' lives, he said, is there anything that we can offer you to say thank you? Anything at all? And Captain Warner, I'm just picturing the classic Aussie, you know, with a twinkle in his eye, a sly old grin, He says, actually, there is probably something you could do for me. He said, would you give me permission to fish in your nation, in the waters of your nation? And and would you give me permission to set up my own business, my fishing business in your country? And the king said, yeah, sure. No worries. It's easy. No worries. Now, I've got a photo here that's going to come up on screen now. This is from two years later. Captain Warner is the guy in the middle with the overalls on. And... uh, 
On either side of him, he's got a couple of his Aussie mates from Sydney who've joined him. And then surrounding them are his six new employees. (laughs) Six young Tongan boys who are probably a little wiser than they were a couple of years ago. (laughs) You see, Captain Warner didn't just save these boys from the island. He didn't even just pay their debt on their behalf for them, but he gave them a new life. He gave them a second chance at life. And that's exactly what God does for us. God has saved me from the ultimate consequences of my sin, from that separation with him. But he loves me so much that he wants to do so much more than that for me. He wants to do even more than that. I have been saved, but I'm also continually being saved. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. Why don't we stand and and sing?